a lot of talk still, of course, about COVID-19. And uh, Dr. Moore, the Chief Medical Officer of Health for the province of Ontario, coming out and saying 90% the requirement to get us to where we need to be uh, vaccination-wise and uh, the whole return to school thing, he thinks it's okay. Um, The interesting thing for me, and I'm going to ask our guest about this, is we keep getting warned about, you know, be, be less than careful, and we could wind up with as many as 9,000 diagnosed cases positive on a daily basis by the end of October. And yet, the last three, four days, it's been 500 and this, 500 and that, 500 and something else. It doesn't seem to be moving around. Let's bring on Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. She's a physician, vaccine researcher, founder of Prime Health Clinical Research. Good afternoon, Dr. Gorfinkel. Good afternoon, Peter. Great to have you uh, on board again, and uh, let me just put that question to you. We seem to be holding uh, in the mid-500s for now. Does that indicate anything? Of course it does. The numbers are stable because kids haven't yet gone back to school. The big concern is what will happen, what will tomorrow bring, as kids under the age of 12 are not vaccinated and, you know, gathering. So what are they doing? They're doing pretty much everything. They're going to be in cafeterias. They're going to be singing. They're going to be in sporting activities and assemblies. And they're all unvaccinated. So we're, you know, with the hyper-contagious Delta variant, there is concern about spread and numbers. How many cases will we see? Well, at this point, we only have 65% of 12 and ups vaccinated fully. It's exciting that 76% are on their way, but how many do we need for herd immunity? 90%. So even in the 12 and ups, it is concerning. And of course, teachers are not mandated to get vaccinated. Neither are staff. True, they have to get tested twice a week. But still, I mean, that gives a lot of potential for the Delta variant to spread. Look, it's worrisome. There's no question about it. It bothers me a lot. And obviously, as a physician, it's bothering you or you wouldn't be using words like that. But I'm going to read you something. This is from uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health, who I mentioned, Dr. Kieran Moore. And he's saying, and this is yesterday, this is an exciting time. We made incredible strides as a province to confidently get our children back in the classroom. Um, so he's he's thinking, we're in pretty good shape. You know, they've made changes. They've got these HEPA filters. Uh, most, not all, as you point out, of the adult staff, the teaching staff is vaccinated. The, the word is, and you can clarify this for us, most people feel that if a very young student comes down with COVID-19, not a great thing, but they're not going to wind up hospitalized, much less passing away. So he's excited. Should we be? Well, to some degree, we should be. It's the society's top priority to make sure children are back at school. And we are trying to pull out what stops we can. You know, we're vaccinating wherever we can. We're educating people on vaccinations. We're trying to mitigate and maximize the the value of mitigation. But what are we missing from this? We don't have plans in place for when things go awry. For example, what are we going to do if case numbers start to climb? What are those thresholds? At what point should schools close? So these are questions that remain unanswered. That's concerning. There are clear guidelines for kids getting tested, and I'm excited about that. 
So those guidelines include if a child is symptomatic, they should get testing. And just quick reminder, there's two types of tests. There's the kind of tests you can get at Shoppers Drug Mart and the rapid tests at home. Those are not the kind of tests that symptomatic kids should get. We're talking about going to a testing center for the nasopharyngeal swab, the PCR testing, because that is quite a bit more accurate. That is the gold standard. So I'm excited about stuff like that, but there are little holes that we can do a little bit better. You know, what about this whole thing about not testing kids? We do not have to test kids who have a runny nose. Mm -hmm. What about a sore throat? Like these kids are not getting tested and the data show that they don't necessarily need to be tested, but they should be staying at home. And I think that's an important take home for parents. And I'm not sure that messaging is getting through. You know, the the thing that gets me, if you uh, watch television or uh, read anything online about uh, a place like, let's take an example, state of Florida. State of Florida has a governor who has a particular view of how the world works. And uh, they get, last week, one day, 21,000 positive diagnoses. That kind of number is routine. And yet absolutely nothing is closed. And where school is concerned, they've been in school for a month now. And uh, the big argument, if there is an argument, depends on where you are, is whether or not the kids should be masked. That's the whole thing. They, they don't close anything. What's it's the difference so between What's the difference between that and what we do? Two words, dog's breakfast. What can I say? You know, Both this so. is what happens when great governments don't govern. So we need our governments to govern. And ultimately, you know, what's happened in both countries, the federal government has said, hey, it's not us. We're not going to mandate anything. But, and we're going to leave it to the provinces. And the provinces in turn, up until fairly recently, were leaving it to individual institutions. What's wrong with this picture? you wind up with a hodgepodge of, of policies that does not work well on an entire public health stage. This is why we have governments to govern, to tell entire populations how to behave. And it's a pity what's happening in Florida. It's a sad what's happening in the, many of these Southern US states. We see a, you know, a loss of what government could be doing and should be doing to favor public health outcomes. And as a result, a preventable, a vaccine-preventable disease is not being prevented. Indeed. And, and uh, many of these governments, because these states all have governments, the question is, what do these governments think? And obviously, they don't think what you believe, and I, I would have to add myself in there, what I believe is the appropriate thing to take care of the people who are in their state. More people have died in the state of Florida of COVID-19 than in all of Canada since the beginning of the pandemic. So that's that, that makes a huge statement. But I, I, I don't want to stick with that because we live here and we have to deal with here. And the here and now for Dr. Moore is that 90% of eligible Ontarians have to be vaccinated before we can start to feel really safe, before we can feel that we've got enough people protected, that the numbers are going to remain few, and that we can stay open, indeed maybe open even wider. Uh, are you on board with the 90%? Do you think that that's going to work? 90% or 9 out of 10 refers to all Canadians, not just the eligible ones. So we're still far from that. And that nine out of 10 people having to be vaccinated in order to stop the spread of COVID-19 is widely acceptable. Some numbers are as high as 95%. 
which begs the question, is that realistic? Can we achieve such high numbers? But yes, I believe in that number nine out of 10 need to be vaccinated in order to stop the spread of this hyper-contagious Delta variant. Moore says, says 90% within two months. He believes it. Well, can we achieve that? It's, I think it's virtually impossible to achieve that. Consider that the population under 12 makes up approximately 12% of Canada's population. Mm -hmm. The 12-12 rule. And so 100 minus 12 is 88. So you cannot, even if every single person, every single Canadian were to get vaccinated, who was eligible today, we still would not be able to achieve herd immunity. He's hoping for 90% of those eligible. That's a different number. We're talking 12 and over. But when we're talking about herd immunity, we're talking about all Canadians not just those who are 12 and over. So that's a much higher number. And and that's actually impossible to achieve without having a vaccination available for those 11 and less. Give us a quick summary of what you feel is going to happen with COVID-19 in the province of Ontario between now and, say, Christmas. Are we going to go through uh, a, a hellish situation? Do we have to go into a real chasm and uh, and withstand something before we come out the other side, or are we going to be okay? I have been so humbled by this disease, and I'll share something with you. I can I can give predictions, but this has been a humbling science from the start to the finish. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of you know what's going to happen, we know that the Delta variant is hyper contagious, and we know that this is a disease. At this point, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So who's unvaccinated? Kids 11 and under. How sick do they get? Not very sick. You know, if we look at the data from the alpha variant, you know, generally about 50% were asymptomatic, no symptoms whatsoever. And then, you know, most of the kids who are going to get the disease, if they do have any symptoms at all, are going to be mild. The big concern is the risk they represent in in an entire population. So say the risk of a child getting in hospital is one in a thousand. Well, if you've got a million kids getting sick, all of a sudden that one in a thousand becomes a much bigger number. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the concern. That's what's happening in the United States and why the pediatric hospitals, the pediatric ICUs are so overwhelmed because you got a small percentage of a very large number of kids who are winding up in hospital. Well, I'm looking at the numbers, as I've said before, uh, we're in the mid-500s. We seem to be holding. It looks like around 80% of those people on a daily basis are unvaccinated, so it bears out what you say about being a pandemic of the unvaccinated. I can only hope that it stays in that area. I know you joined me with, in that, and we'll talk to you again, or Jeff will, on this program in the not-too-distant future. Thanks so much, Dr. Gorfinkel. Many thanks for having me, Peter. All right, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, physician, vaccine researcher, founder of Prime Health Clinical Research. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.